0: Today on the show, Santa is on the cancellation chopping block, but I suggest, rather than canceling Santa, that we cancel something else in honor of the Christmas spirit. I suggest that we cancel abortion. We'll see what New Yorkers have to think about that as they sign a new law that forbids the sale of pets in their state. And then we'll also look at a recent video from Live Action that well, let's just say needs to be seen to help you get into the Christmas spirit. And then finally, we'll talk about a priest who's been removed from his station for just being too pro-life. We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Anchor.biz. That's A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z. Now, let's just say you've got this brilliant idea. You want to start a small business that will change the world. Well, you know how to change the world, but maybe you don't know how to do payroll taxes and accounting and bookkeeping, and you just need a little bit of help with that. You've got all the strategies for changing the world, but maybe a little bit of business strategy would help you on the back end. Well, then just a little bit of humility would cause you to go over to our friends at Anchor, where they can help you with all of the above. They can even help you with staffing solutions. I know, you can probably change the world all by yourself, but if in the off chance you just need somebody to answer the phones, Anchor can help you with it all. In fact, even if you just need a little bit of a suggestion with how to change the world, they can help you with small business strategies. They can help your business get legs. So if you need somebody to help you put legs underneath your vision, well, then go over to ancur.biz today and do yourself a big favor. Give yourself the greatest Christmas gift that you could imagine before changing the world and that's get some help from the professionals over at Anchor. So go to ancur.biz and when you do so, let them know that Indy Thinker sent you. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. I hope you're planning to have a great Christmas. And as we close in on the day, I wanted to take just a moment to read to you a recent story that came out of Yahoo about the cancellation of Santa. Because apparently Santa is the latest Christmas tradition that needs to go. So according to Yahoo... (laughs) I won't make my kids sit on Santa's lap, why we should all stop this outdated trend. Now, before I go on to read the story, let me just suggest that already I have a sinking suspicion that we're listening to a leftist here. And um, I'll give you the confirmation of that here in just a moment. But of course, the progressive that always wants to progress, even at the expense of walking backwards and still calling that progress, will try to destroy traditions if they possibly can. Now, the question is, Is should the tradition of mall Santas that smell like cabbage have small hands and sit on a throne of lives? Should these be the, the people that we we cancel as far as Christmas traditions? Now, like I said, this person probably wants to cancel everything associated with Christmas, included caroling, going to church, and probably a multitude of other things. But let me not de- be too presumptuous. Let's jump into the story to find out. Alexandra Frost says, When my first... Of soon-to-be-five kids met Santa, the bearded man reached out expectantly, nodding for me to hand him the toddler. I hesitated a bit, wondering if my kid would freak out as the few children in the front of us in line had, but I did it. Why? Because that's what you do when you have a kid and they meet Santa. But as the toddler grew and got more opinionated and voicey, he let me know he definitely would not be touching Santa in any way. Now... As you might imagine, we're getting closer and closer to the reality of progressivism here as we see that the child is slowly but surely as it grows, having more and more command over the household. Now, you might not say that's a sign of leftism. Maybe that's a sign in your home. I can only tell you in my home, there are welcome guests and then there is the boss, of course, the wife, and the welcome guests are the kids. The kids don't really have a say-so um, on basically anything. Every once in a while, I'll give them a choice as to whether or not they can use the bathroom when they ask. But otherwise, I tell them when to use the bathroom. But let's keep going because we want to give this article a fair shot. So continues, and it says... So with the next kid and the next, I sort of hovered beside Santa unless a kid reached for him or climbed up on him themselves. This was just one of the many ways my kids have taught me where their boundaries are. In my mind, there is proof positive, and yet there's still more, that this person is absolutely canceling Santa because they are a leftist and they just hate Christmas traditions. Because um, you listen to your kids about very little because your kids don't have an operational prefrontal cortex. And they won't until their early 20s. So the amount of time that you spend listening to your kids is very, very small. And the amount of time you should take in informing your kids about what they will and won't do should be much greater. Now, this is Parenting 101, of course, unless... You are firmly in the progressive camp. Now, here is the irrefutable evidence that this woman is a progressive and raising progressive kids and has potentially allowed her kids way too much say-so in their home. Because the article says this. Where did this bizarre tradition come from anyway? We teach our kids to run from strangers screaming at the top of their lungs unless they are dressed up as Santa. We teach them physical boundaries about touching and limits unless we are paying $25 to get a picture taken with them sitting on a stranger, uh, first of all, $25 for a picture with Santa? Where where do you live and what is wrong with you? Somebody, like call Dave Ramsey. Anyway, I reached out to my mom tribe to see how the, I reached out to my mom tribe. Listen, the fact that this person is a progressive should come as no surprise. It's the media for crying out loud, but but this is important for a reason. I reached out to my mom tribe to see how other parents were navigating balancing decades of tradition with boundaries. Since most of us have the picture from the 80s or the 90s of ourselves screaming on Santa's lap while parents laugh and wave in the background. Oh, the good old days. We were brought up thinking this was a normal rite of passage, but our kids are leading the charge at pushing back and communicating their own comfort levels. And of course, we should listen to them because after all, they are children. We're seeing them and supporting them a bit better than some of our parents. Toronto-based mom Lori Ulster remembers a classic family story about her own mom taking her little brother to the mall as a young child. Santa was trying to drum up business and called out to my brother to ask if he wanted to sit on Santa's lap. She says, my brother started screaming, F off, you F off, in terror. It's one of my mom's favorite stories. Now, I stop there just to prove the point that I've tried to make throughout that the person writing this article is an incredible progressive A picture-perfect progressive, if you will. Their children run the house. Their children tell the parents how they would like to be disciplined and what they would like to do. And the parents, because they are feelers and emotional, definitely listen to everything their kids try to tell them. And the most important is the story that I just told you. The fact that this person glorified a story about a child that cussed out a complete stranger, much less an adult. See? A progressive. No conservative, respectable parent would ever gloat about a, their child cussing out a, a, an adult. And no respectable conservative would ever gloat about the fact that their child even knows that kind of language. But of course, for the progressive left, that absolutely devalues and deconstructs everything they can put their hands on, including children, well, this should come as no surprise. And it brings us to the point of today's show. Ultimately, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the original Christmas story and the importance of life and what that has to do with Christmas as a whole. Now, obviously, when we're talking about the life of Jesus, we're talking about the greatest life that has ever existed. But it is also not to be escaped from us that that life in and of itself is precious and demands to be protected. And the gift of life is something that we can think about as we move to Christmas and think about the things that really matter in, in this world. Now, of course, we're talking about the life of innocent Babies, because Jesus was one, but but babies more, more broadly, because along with the Christmas story, as some of you are aware, is the story of Herod and the killing of the children two years old and younger. Now, Herod did this because he was threatened and he felt like this Baby Jesus was going to be somebody that could contend for his throne because he believed in the prophecies of the Old Testament. And nonetheless, even if he didn't, he wouldn't allow any rumors to start to spread about anybody that could challenge him. And so he ordered the death of children that were two years old and younger. Now you think to yourself, the very first Christmas for some of those people who had to experience the death of their little babies because of this wicked, tyrannical man that they must have had one of the worst Christmases, if not the worst Christmas of of their life ever. And it's a reminder to us of the preciousness of life. It's a reminder to us of that cliche that a baby changes everything. Again, yes, baby Jesus, but also what kind of culture are we living in when baby Jesus might have been, you know, uh, viable to go to the chopping block himself? I bring up the story of this leftist because I find it interesting. While I may agree, the creepiness of the mall Santa or placing your children on a complete stranger's lap is a little bit antiquated and I could do with or without it. But I think the hypocrisy of this person writing is is galling because. While the left and progressives, namely among them, want to chop off the healthy sex organs of children and want to run children through the abortion mill and kill them before they even have a chance to breathe their first breath, and while the left is all too quick to try to inflict apocalyptic climate change worry upon children, something they can do nothing about and something even the IPCC doesn't necessarily have the evidence to to back up leftists are far too willing to impose these things upon kids, but then when it comes to Santa, well, that's just a bridge too far. I find it galling, the hypocrisy in this article, that this person is willing to make such a big deal about mall Santas while there might actually be a lot bigger issues to deal with, um, much bigger fish to fry, and perhaps in honor of the Christmas story, perhaps one of them is what I already mentioned, just the idea of life and how important and precious children are. Because if our culture can't get that right, then what can we get right And this has to do with the Christmas story, obviously, because Jesus was a baby, and we know the cliche, a baby changes everything. And while I would never want to ever undermine the importance of that singular life, I can't help but look at the preciousness of life in the Christmas story, the original Christmas story, especially when you look at the fact that Herod plays a major part in the Christmas story, and his desire is to make sure that all the children two years old and younger are slaughtered. Because he's afraid that whatever this baby is, whoever this baby is, that he could challenge him um, for his prominence and his position. And even if he doesn't believe the Old Testament prophecies about a Messiah coming into Bethlehem, he at least believes that the rumors about this child being the future king and the Messiah is a threat to his reign. And so he orders the death of these children. And so Christmas is a time for us to remember the unique and beautiful life of Jesus, but also the preciousness of life in general. And I can't help but wonder if we shouldn't, at this Christmas, call for a total abolition of one of the greatest blights upon society. No, not sitting on Santa's lap, but abortion and the termination of children before they even get to breathe their first breath, the termination of children who deserve to celebrate Christmas in their own right. And so that's why today, because people like Herod still exist and some things never change, Our show today leading up to Christmas is dedicated to the protection of life, and we'll see that in our top stories today. In Christianity Not Today, I give some current events and try to provide a Christian perspective to those events. And uh, today, since we're talking about life, uh, we'll, we'll talk about a law that just recently got passed in New York City to protect the lives of dogs and cats. So apparently dogs and cats for Christmas are not going to be a thing because New York just banned the selling of dogs, cats and rabbits and pet stores to combat puppy the puppy mill pipeline, as it's called. Now, right now, I'm thinking to myself, you need to strike up the Sarah McLaughlin, cue the very dopey-eyed puppies, and get in the arms of an angel. Come on, let's go. Now, if you don't just purely have a bleeding heart and you actually care about the truth, you might think to yourself, selling cats and dogs to children is not that big of a deal. Certainly, we've got other issues, but no, Kathy Hochul is determined. And it says this about Kathy Hochul in the ABC article. New York Governor Kathy Hochul signed legislation Thursday banning the sale of dogs and cats and rabbits in retail pet stores throughout the state. Animal activists have been calling for such a ban for years, contending that pet stores are often stocked with animals that are bred and abused in puppy mills and other mass breeding centers. Dogs, cats, and rabbits across New York deserve loving homes and humane treatment. Let me... Check real quick. Humane treatment. I don't know. Dictionary.com does change a lot, but humane treatment for animals. Okay, sure. How about humane treatment for babies? Preborn babies, uh, especially. Let's check the books actually and see where New York is in terms of its abortion laws because uh, we can no longer sell dogs and cats and rabbits and pet stores because it is far too evil and inhumane. But can we sever the spinal cord of another human being? So in the law books now in New York City, of course, uh, they have a viability law, which essentially means this, that you can eliminate and terminate your pregnancy up until the third trimester or thereabouts. So Let's just be a little bit charitable here and um, let's look at humane treatment of children in the womb and let's look at their development up into the second trimester. So babies who are second trimester babies and still viable to be on the chopping block in New York City while pets like dogs and cats and rabbits are going to be saved. Uh, Second trimester babies, they have legs. And they have arms and they kick and they move. And the second trimester is where mommy starts to feel those kicks and those moves in her belly. Uh, the fetus begins to respond to certain external stimuli. That's when the baby can hear music from the outside or start to feel the vibrations on a mother's belly from music and those kind of things. And the baby begins to respond to mommy's voice and daddy's voice and starts to feel those different sensations. Also, the fetus will respond Um, Sorry, the fetus also grows fingernails and form fingerprints and toe prints. And for those of you who need a reminder, those fingerprints and those toe prints are completely unique to each and every individual. Hair starts growing on the head and eyelids begin to open and shut. So the baby begins to flutter its eyes as it grows eyelashes and eyebrows and all sorts of other things. And of course, the fetal heartbeat is very prominent at the second trimester. Now, of course, if you're Stacey Abrams, that's nothing more than a white wing pro-life conspiracy, but there is a very audible heartbeat. So what does it say about our culture when dogs and cats have more protection than a life in the womb? What does it say about our culture when a baby isn't allowed to change everything? But actually, we see babies as in positions that are easy to get rid of with a simple procedure. What does it say about us that responsibility is something that we only think we can take on when we're ready? When often responsibility calls upon you when you least expect it. And in fact, great people in this life are always those who respond to a need in the moment. They're always those who respond to something, whether they feel ready or not but they jump to the occasion. They rise to the occasion in the moment. So what does it say about our culture? Well, it says that our culture is weak and getting weaker and more sadistic as we get weaker. That as we move further and further and further away from Christianity in the West, life becomes less precious. But around Christmas time, I hope we can move a little bit closer to the realization not only that a baby changes everything and that change may need to be embraced for our lives to get even better, and that the challenges that a baby may place upon us actually will improve our lives, but also that those babies will grow up to be something powerful and and beautiful and be able to celebrate Christmas one day in their own right to make their own traditions. Well, we'll never know that if we keep the abortion mill pumping and continue to devalue human life while we value animal life far above it. And a recent live-action video showcases this very thing and specifically the hypocrisy of the quote-unquote feminist message behind abortion. So, check this out.
1: Megan, have a seat. Well, Megan, we heard from HR that you recently discovered you're pregnant. Is this true, Megan?
0: <laughs> yes, I, I am.
1: Megan, you are a... Valued member of this company very valued and we have a generous package to help you out for the days ahead very generous paid time off uh, Appointment expenses covered Meals covered Flights in and out of state
0: that is awesome Uh, Flights out of state. I I I don't think I'll be yeah We want to make
1: sure that our workers are taken care of so just tell us how much time you need to take off and then um, When you return we can get back to it i mean do you think we can expect to get rolling in three weeks three weeks the baby isn't due for another seven months and then uh well and also how much time did you say i can take off after delivery as well oh yeah uh, um, yeah okay that's a wrench in things yeah that's gonna that's a curveball it's really gonna throw off our schedule
0: i'm sorry um the baby's got a come out at
1: some point, and then... Yeah, we were hoping that would be the next couple of weeks. You know, you can fly to another state. And- Stay in a really nice hotel. Yeah, and go to some nice restaurants on the company. Are you telling me to get an abortion? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no! Dropping the A word on us here. <laughs> I mean, this is all about what you want, Megan. This is your body, your choice. Your body, your choice. Entirely up to you. Um, this baby. Uh, yeah, you my- know what? Trish, can you come on in here? Thanks for coming in, Trish. Absolutely, sir. Uh, can you can just stand right over here and um, let Megan take a good look at you? Now, Megan, would you rather be some trophy housewife or would you rather be Trish? You don't want to be a trophy. Tell her about your career journey, Trish. Entered as an unpaid intern straight out of grad school, part-time after year, full-time after another two years, six years of 80 hours a week, before promotion to management. Now I'm down to a smooth 60. Two years later, awarded Employee of the Year. Happiest day of my life. Which do you think she'd rather be holding in her arms? That award or a baby, Megan? Not even a question, right? Why do I have to pick one? Could never be who I am today with a kid to take care of. Wait, are you telling me you got pregnant on purpose? Who does that? That's what I'm saying. Having kids, what are you, a boomer? <laughs> Megan, I wouldn't hesitate to say that Trish is nearly as important to this company as any man. Thank you for saying that, sir. You don't want a kid, Megan. Get a puppy instead. That's what I did.
0: Oh. Now, I just love that for a lot of reasons, and um, one of which is the production value and the the acting. But more importantly, as you saw in that video, is that it does a great job of undermining the my body, my choice crowd, the, uh, the keep your hands off my body, um, that men don't have a right to speak into this because actually this, this pro-choice thing, it's a feminist issue. And if you don't want to be a feminist and agree with the abortion of babies, then, then you're actually just this male patriarchal figure that's trying to shove your ideas down our throat. Um, so this video does a great job of undermining the fake feminism that's, talks about rejecting the patriarchy and rejecting heteronormativity and making your own choices because real feminism doesn't look like rejection as so much as embracing. Real feminism embraces everything that makes a woman a woman and it doesn't try to make a woman a man. Real feminism embraces the ability of a woman to process things emotionally as a domineering and as male as it may sound uh, and toxic as it may sound to suggest that women process things emotionally. Every single man watching this podcast right now knows women process things emotionally. It's time we started embracing that instead of trying to run the other way from it. Sure, women process things intellectually and rationally as well, but women have a distinct capacity that a man does not to process things in a way that is more sensitive and and typically more, more loving. And I think this is beautiful. This is why beauty tamed the beast. This is why Belle was so essential to the transition of that man because women have the capacity to help tame a man while men have the capacity to help Um, care for and protect women. This is just the way of the world and so it is an asset for women to be able to process things emotionally as much as certain times of the month we we men may not appreciate it as much. But nonetheless a woman's ability to also create a baby is something that that should be embraced. Uh, This is something that is unique to women as is the the process of women or the ability of women to process things emotionally. Uh, Not only do women have this unique, beautiful ability to create a baby, but they can also feed a baby. So they create a baby in their body, and then they feed a baby with their body. It's an absolute miracle of of nature. And then they have this unique ability that men just don't have as as much, this ability to nurture and support. Anybody that's ever been married understands this within the capacity of, of child rearing. See, if we celebrate womanhood, as I think we can find room to do, especially around Christmas, as we look at the strength of Mary and what she was able to do and how she processed everything that was happening during those Christmas events. If we, if we can at least do that, then we can truly appreciate what real feminism is, which is not the kind of second wave feminism that tries to destroy womanhood for the sake of making women men. Or the kind of third-wave feminism that we hear today that uh, men can get pregnant and that men have a uterus. Or if you're a a woman, you're a uterus-possessing man. None of that nonsense. But the real kind of feminism that truly appreciates the beauty of real womanhood, which essentially will do this. Will protect life. Will protect the unique abilities that women have been given. I hope there are women who are maybe even watching this who will keep an open mind to realize that the attack on the unborn is actually really an attack on women as well. It's not just an attack on the unborn. It's an attack on women and their ability to recreate and procreate. See, the livelihood and the continuation of the species, it's it's in your hands, and it's a power that you possess. The celebration of womanhood looks like the celebration of life, and not the celebration of Choice. And I wish the Catholic Church would really finally embrace this unilaterally and universally, but still they're having a little bit of a hard time doing so. As just recently in our final story, we'll see that a priest was just removed from ministry because of his pro life views. According to the AP, anti abortion priest Pavone was defrocked for blasphemous posts. Now, this is how you know this is a News outlet like the AP, it's called a anti abort. He's called an anti-abortion priest rather than a pro-life priest. So, so this this is always like if you reject the Respect for Marriage Act, you're an anti-gay homophobe rather than somebody who believes in traditional marriage. But nonetheless, uh, Pavone was defrocked um, for what was considered blasphemous posts. So. I want to real quick jump into the article for a moment and show you exactly why this priest was removed from his priestly duties. So it says this. The Vatican has defrocked an anti-abortion U.S. priest, Frank Pavone, for what it said were blasphemous communications on social media as well as persistent disobedience. Now that sounds pretty bad, right? You know, blasphemous posts on social media and persistent disobedience. So you think to yourself, maybe this guy started like... Doing something like this on social media. May
1: God make her face to shine upon you.
0: Maybe he started posting things about, like, you know, homosexuality on social media. Maybe he did stuff like this.
1: Trans people are divine, and transphobia is a sin.
0: Maybe just one other. Maybe he was posting things like this. This would be bad.
1: Do I believe in a literal second coming of Jesus Christ? No, I do not believe in the literal second coming of Jesus Christ. To be honest with you, I think the second coming of Christ is you and me. We are the living body of Christ.
0: But if you guessed it was none of those things, you would be right. It had nothing to do with false doctrine or being a heretic. It actually had to do with the fact that he was posting things on social media of a pro-life nature. Now, he did post things of a pro-life nature that were very drastic. So he posted a picture of a uh, dead fetus on the altar of his Catholic church back in 2016. And he apparently didn't make due penance enough for this drastic step. Now, some of you may think to yourself, well, this is, that's horrific. How could you do such a thing? I would remind you that way more horrific than the posting of that picture would be the actual aborting of millions of babies each year. I know you don't like to be confronted with it, and I know you don't like to see it, but let's be moral people for just a second. Let's pretend, if you will, uh, the aborting of these babies on a regular basis in places like Planned Parenthood. Now that is real blasphemy. But apparently, this bishop, this uh, this priest was not. Uh, repentant enough for posting this pro life post, but uh, if that wasn't bad enough, he also uh, he participated in persistent disobedience and what did that persistent disobedience look like? Well, the article goes on to tell us his bishop repeatedly told him to stop his partisan activism for donald trump so let 's get this right. This priest was defrocked, humiliated publicly, and removed from office because. He posted something pro-life on social media of a startling nature, and he endorsed Donald Trump. Now, I can think of a, about a billion other things, historical and contemporary, that would be worse than that. Uh, but but this is, this is why Catholics are always the bad guys in, in movies, because the fact that they would defrock this priest for actually standing up for Catholic beliefs is... It's just par for the course, far too often. And if you're a Catholic, I hope you know I'm not being disparaging. Even though I'm a good fundamentalist evangelical, and some might even call a Christian nationalist, I still believe that the Catholic Church has its place and and, and is important to the world. But, uh, but so often they get it wrong. I mean, look at this Pew Research poll that told us that about 7 in 10 Catholics say abortion should be legal, if the pregnant woman's life or health is threatened, that's about 69% of people. So let's get this right. So if you are pregnant and your life could be threatened, 69% of Catholics believe that you should be able to abort your baby. So close to 70% there. Now, it might not surprise some of you to realize that the idea that a woman has to kill her baby in order to save her life is a total misnomer that may come as a surprise to you, but it, but it actually is. Now, of course, in the process of saving the woman's life and attempting to save the baby's life, you might kill the baby, but you never have to intentionally abort a baby. Medical science has brought us to the point now where the life of the mother is no longer really a concern. Now, I've done enough on the show to actually prove this point, so hopefully you know at this point in time that the whole life of mother issue was completely fabricated out of whole cloth, and the Guttmacher Inst- uh, Institute had to eventually admit to this. Uh, it's, it's so unscientifically based and so unquantifiable as to, n- as to not exist. But the Pew Research poll goes on and gets worse, and it says, and two-thirds say it should be legal if the pregnancy is the result of rape, so not many fewer think that the baby should be punished for the actions of a rapist. And at the same time, roughly two-thirds of Catholics say how long a woman has been pregnant should be a factor in determining abortion's legality. So 63% of Catholics say that you should be able to abort your baby dependent upon how long you've been pregnant. Now, this is far from Catholic belief or Christian belief, but it is what so very often we have become in our current age where we allow the culture to be much more shaping to us than we are to it. But I hope Christmas is a time where we see the world stops and it celebrates a Christian holiday. Now, sure, the Christian influence on the culture and how Christian Christmas truly is has been, you know, the culture has done a really good job of stripping that. But I also believe that the culture can't get away from some of The positivity and the light and the meaning of Christmas as hard as they try. There's just something special about this holiday. So as much as they would like to try to destroy all of the important things about Christmas, the gift giving, the lights on the tree, and all of those things that are Christian symbols, um, they can't. If we will stop trying to be so much like the culture, we can actually change it. And this reminds me, not just because I got done talking about Catholicism, but because it's a part of history. Protestantism has a pretty rich history of doing this, and specifically Martin Luther. Martin Luther, it is said, was the one who popularized decorating the Christmas tree. He just loved Christmas time, and he loved the pine trees, and he loved the snow. That he supposedly chopped down a pine tree, brought it into his house, and then was the very first person to ever decorate a Christmas tree with lights. Now, they did this in the most ridiculous way you could possibly think of. They put candlesticks on an actual tree. I know, crazy. But nonetheless, he decorated the Christmas tree because he wanted to use these symbols of life and and, and Jesus and hope to infuse the Christmas celebration with a deeper sense of what it was really all about. And we too, with a passion for truth, can make a difference if we'll do more than just hate the culture or just mimic the culture, but start creating our own culture and start creating a culture of life, regardless of the extortion of the left and how we are supposed to believe that anybody who is pro-life just doesn't care about the plight of women. Actually, the opposite is exactly the truth. That people who are pro-life not only care about the plight of women, they care about the plight of little women in the womb. They care about the plight of future women who deserve the right to celebrate Christmas just like we do. And so I suggest that we turn our eyes away from so much of the negativity that can surround us regardless of what Christmas may bring for us. And we celebrate life. And then if we're so inclined, go beyond Christmas and celebrate life every day of your life and ensure that there are others who are less fortunate than you that can also do it as well. And specifically, those children in the womb who deserve to have a right to celebrate Christmas just like you and I. And as we stand for life, I believe that it will make a huge difference on the way our culture celebrates this Christmas and every Christmas moving forward. So as you celebrate this Christmas, I pray that you will do it celebrating that one unique life above all other lives, the life of Jesus, but also do so with a renewed, with a renewed passion for life and a renewed commitment to make sure that you do whatever you can to protect the life of the unborn so that they can also, like you, have the opportunity to come into this world, breathe fresh air, celebrate Christmas, and perhaps a very merry one at that, which is what I wish for you and your family. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And this Christmas, don't forget to go with God.